you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the League Podcast abides by the AD scale, except for Dan Hanzoos, who just doesn't get it. It's really not that hard. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hanzoos. I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, and Chris Wessling. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. We are just excited because Chris was just mentioning we are in this makeshift blasted out Death Star of a studio, and it's been six degrees in here, episode after episode, but we got some heat lamps in here today. Well, we, there aren't actual heat lamps, but, right? Some lights. Yeah, some lights. So we're, we're continuing to, listen, Studio 66 is not ready yet, but we're getting closer day by day, right, Black Tie? Yeah, thumbs up, so we're getting closer to that. But um, Black Tie got caught eating some sushi, <laughs> store-bought sushi. While doing the podcast, Some that's e- fine. An eel avocado roll? <laughs> How is it? <laughs> Pretty good. Can't do shellfish, so. Oh, really? My go-to, other than spicy tuna. But carry on, carry on. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're, we're still in Studio 4 until we get back to Studio 66. We have, gentlemen, a great show. We are, of course, uh, we've moved on as a nation from the loss of the USA, lost in the World Cup on Wednesday. They lost Tuesday. Uh, Made a big impact on Dan. Made a huge impact on me, personally. (laughs) The country has already moved on, I feel like. Everybody's wondering about LeBron, where he's going to end up. Uh, Somehow, the United States has overcome this devastating loss. So, we're okay, right? Well, frankly, we didn't deserve to go as far as we did. That's fair to say. We're We're not much different than we were, like... 30 years ago when everyone said this was coming, that we're going to be a great soccer nation. We had as many shots on goal the whole tournament as Belgium did yesterday. Oof. Heat. Soccer analysis. Heat. (laughs) Dan was crushed. That was – Dan took the loss hard yesterday in the office. We watched it. I took it initially pretty tough. But then Damashek also uh, laid out a scenario whereby the U.S. could win the the World Cup in exchange or the Jets could win 10 games. And that doesn't guarantee the playoffs. It just they would win ten games. I took the Jets. So well, he said yeah. win that World Cup game and maybe one more. I don't think he said the whole thing. Oh well, to be well, fair. well just well, spoiler alert. It still wouldn't have changed my answer. Yeah, all right. So, but I, it was fun to watch. It was fun to get into soccer for a while. I but, said I would take a generic two wins for any NFL team that I could apply to, like <laughs> the Jaguars, if I felt like it, over the, that winning that game. <laughs> just, wow, no, that's just unpatriotic, Wes. I hope they would win, but I mean. It, that the football season will last months. This lasts like a week. The gold standard is rolling over in his grave right now. <laughs> yeah, he's not. Happy. He's not and, dead. By the way, read the gold standards. Uh, he wrote a column about the USA game, and you should read it. Uh, look him up at that damn Yank. You know he does great stuff. Smarter than all of us. Uh, nice show today. Very nice show, gentlemen. Because. We're going to talk about quarterbacks. What's better than talking about quarterbacks? Everybody loves talking about quarterbacks, where they stack up their rankings. And it's a special occasion today kind of worked out the stars aligned that Chris Wessling wrote his preseason quarterback rankings. We put that up Tuesday on the website. 
And then today, over on ESPN, Mike Sando, one of their writers, spoke to a bunch of NFL officials and coaches and front office type people, and they put together a, a, he put together a tiered uh, list of his own rankings for quarterbacks. So we're going to talk about both lists and just get it out there, get all but the discussion, get Sando, the juices flowing. Sando saw the Wesleyan piece. He felt the heat. Mm. He thought he'd have to rush his thing out. He, <laughs> Tasty he take. Didn't want what he just was stepping onto Wes's corner. ATL moves the needle. I like that. We're also going to continue our Making the Leap series as we uh, go deeper into the top ten. We're going to go over two players um, with pieces uh, that were originally written on our website by Chris Wessling and Mark Sessler. NFL.com slash Making the Leap to see all the Making the Leap guys. Guys, we anticipate going the next level as players this year. But before any of that, folks, we're going to throw it over back to TD. And by the way, TD, I just want to run something by you real quick while we're here. Damashek came up to me last week in the office and, and made a comment along, along the lines of, why are you calling him TD? We should be calling him Black Tie. It's confusing the listeners. So I said to him, you know what? I will go to TD on the issue and let him decide whether he wants to be Black Tie or TD on this show. The guys, the way I see it, Black Tie is sort of a DDFP character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, you know, it goes back to the whole Tyrak thing with the producers on that show. And, you know, this is a different show. You know, you guys do great work here, and I'm glad to be a part of the team. And TD is my name. You guys go all by first names here. It's not a nickname team. So no, we don't need I'm any gimmicks. I'm down with TD. But, all I mean, right. if, if sometimes you call me Black Tie like you almost did there, I'm fine with that, too. Okay. And you should also know Damashek seems to be – there does seem to be some moderate heat between the two podcasts, as we expected – uh, how do you feel? Do you feel kind of like the kid caught in the middle of a divorce or something like that? Mostly not. You know, <laughs> damn shake always feels like, you know, someone's coming after him. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but, You're going to so, hear about that. Yeah. All right, TD, let's do some news. Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> I like a little, that. Uh, patriotic theme, obviously, July 4th weekend. Uh, I like that. Yeah, you know, that's Team President, USA and, you know, President so. Barack Obama. Maybe I should set it up differently, though. Let's try it again. Hey, TD, can we do some news? Yes, we can. <laughs> I like that TD does homework. That's a keeper. He sure does. I love that one. July 4th coming up, Independence Day <laughs> for America. All right, we'll start in Buffalo. Some tough news, very bad news for the Buffalo Bills, who suffered suffered a big loss uh, when it was announced that linebacker Kiko Alonso uh, will likely miss the entire 2014 season after suffering a torn left ACL. The injury was suffered uh, during a workout in Oregon. Alonzo, who had underwent surgery in the offseason on his hip, now injures the knee. And after a, an extremely promising 2013 season, is a very good chance, almost a, a definite chance. We're not going to see him at all in 2014. Terrible blow for the Buffalo Bills. Greg and Mark and I had a bit of a debate in the newsroom on how much of a loss this is for the Bills team. Basically, for their for prognostication purposes, does it take them out of like a sleeper status for a playoff berth? Does it cost them a couple of wins, one win? I think it's a huge loss. I think it's tough to say one player in the ultimate team sport is going to cost a team more than a win. Even that seems like a lot. But what Alonzo's injury reminds me of, and he was such a great player as a rookie, is that this is a defense that's changing schemes. It's changing away from a defensive coordinator 
that had a lot of success last year. And I'm just worried that even though they're talented, they're not going to be nearly as good on defense this year as they were last year. And we had talked about the Bills a couple weeks ago as a team that on paper might have more talent outside of the quarterback position than their AFC's rival Patriots. But that this shifts that, I think. This is a, this is a key loss. A, they lost Jarris Bird in the back. Huge loss. You're losing all your guys up the middle. Your defensive coordinator that I think flipped the switch on that defense last year in terms of the pass rush franchise record for sacks. There's a lot of variables all of a sudden. To be fair, Jim Schwartz has done well as a defensive coordinator. I, I think he's a good defensive coach. It's not like they're bringing in a bum, but I think the change on defense plus the fact that Oh, by the way, that offensive staff has no track record of any success in the NFL at barely any time in the NFL. One thing about Schwartz's defense, Kiko Alonso was switching from middle linebacker to weak side linebacker because that's the position in which all the plays are funneled in mm. Schwartz's defense. So it was, Alonzo was the guy. He was supposed to be the centerpiece of that defense, and now he's gone. They, they do have some depth, though. Nigel Bradham, who will probably replace him, Played pretty well for them when he's been in the lineup. They brought in Brandon Spikes. They have Keith Rivers, which is a pretty generic starter. It's not the worst linebacker group, but the front seven doesn't look nearly as exciting. Yeah, I just look at the Bills, though, and how much patience will there be when you've got a coaching staff that used a first-round pick on E.J. Manuel? They've now lost their best defensive player after losing what arguably was their best defensive player well, before that in free agency. This is, this is a rough situation for this team. Well, I'd hold off, though. I'd rather have three of their defensive linemen than Alonzo. Well, what I, I, ta- I think losing Darius for a long time, if he was suspended for a long time, would be more devastating. Or Mario Williams or Kyle Williams. I mean, this is still a great I defensive line. I disagree with that. You can, they have enough depth on the defensive line that you can replace those guys. They don't have anybody like Kiko, Lyon, Kiko Alonzo at linebacker. Yeah, Mark also, he did mention, of course, Jarris Bird. Jairus Byers. Byers. TD, you had a thought? I did. I, you know, it's, 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 it's tough out, out here these days for, you know, the young white inside linebackers. You know, Sean Lee went down. Alonzo's going down. Hot take. Luke Keekley, watch out. You know? I, see, you can say that. We can't, we can't make these sort of racial jokes. But you, TD, you have a, a Sessler about... Oh my watch God. out, Keith. White inside line. Watch out. That music is apt to what feels like a bad script about someone that's going around with a real anger issue towards NFL inside linebackers and using this offseason to just get rid of them by one. To be fair, Darrell Washington and Sean Weatherspoon, also both not going to play this season, doesn't quite fit into your theory, but I like, I like you getting creative. Also, Kiko Alonso, an outside linebacker. Well, now. Well, you know, whatever. He now. last year. Let's yeah. not get not bogged last down year. in the details. The, the position he's going to be <laughs> Not he last year, though. Arbitrator but. Stephen Burbank ruled Wednesday that New Orleans Saints star Jimmy Graham. Burbs. Burbs drops the hammer, rules that Jimmy Graham is indeed a tight end. Uh, this according to NFL media insider Ian Rappaport and Albert Breer. Um, Graham, of course, had filed a grievance arguing that he deserved to be designated as a wide receiver under the franchise tag because he had spent more time in the wide receiver type positions than a tight end. This costs him something in the neighborhood of $5 million when you compare the franchise tag of a tight end to a wide receiver. Obviously a big deal for Jimmy Graham. Uh, it was treated as uh, the biggest news in the history of the NFL this morning when I came in. Uh, I, I can't quite get behind it as being that notable, but I get it from a business aspect. This is big news. Jimmy Graham loses out. 
Burbank cited the fact that Graham lined up within four yards of the line of scrimmage for the majority of snaps. Uh, I like that Jimmy Graham cited on his own Twitter bio that he was a tight end. I think that was sufficient enough. That was wild. They actually used that against him and in Why the not? ruling against him. That's they what makes he is. That was cited. So, well, one of the things that really stuck out to me, I think Sean Payton said it. He said Graham is covered by linebackers. Uh, a good chunk of the time. And someone did the numbers. 30% by linebackers, 30% by safeties, 25 to 30% cornerbacks. No wide receivers are ever covered by linebackers. So that's a pretty strong way to look at it. We've talked about this on this podcast. This is what tight ends are. Sometimes they line up out wide. Sometimes they line up in the slot. Sometimes they line up online as a traditional tight end. The problem is... They need to come up with a hybrid designation under the franchise cap because it it is unfair to people like Jimmy Graham. That's fair, but I think that number is going to rise. It's fair that it's unfair. I'm saying his point yes. is fair. That's a good point. <laughs> well, and no one too. franchises an inline tight end. That's uh, pro football <laughs> focus just franchised Ben Hartsock. <laughs> this number of franchise tags will go up because Dan mentioned this could cost Graham $5 million, but that's only if he signs the franchise tag tender. And I don't expect that to happen. They have until July 15th to sign Graham to a long-term deal. They've already offered him more money, reportedly, than Rob Gronkowski gets as the highest-paid tight end in the league, which is very good money. It's wide receiver money. And I see no reason why, now that this little extra bit of leverage was added to the Saints, they can't come to terms. It's, I guess it just sets a precedent for all these other tight ends like your Eric Ebron, who's come to the NFL and before he's played a snap is already talking about you know, how he deserves to be paid down the line. Uh, but, yeah, at the end of the day, for Jimmy Graham, what does it mean? He'll end his career with $68 million in earnings <laughs> instead of $73 think, million well, potentially. He owns a house with 15 rooms, yeah. not 12 or not, not 17 at this point. But Jordan Cameron would have been franchised after this season potentially. Yeah, I think, guys, you mentioned Eric Ebron, but Vernon Davis holdout might have been a lot about this yep. case. Vernon Davis was waiting to see what would happen in the Jimmy Graham case. Guys, you're not going to believe this, but I got another message from our producer, TD, who says he has another take to share. Wow. You guys are talking about Twitter bios. Jimmy Graham noted himself as a tight end. <laughs> well, just a heads up. Sessler, Chris Wesson, and Dan, you guys are all in your Twitter bios, all writers for around the league. So mm-hmm. don't ever go to Greg trying to get a raise for being a talent. <laughs> Ooh, Wait, you know, I just say, say I like that. My Twitter bio says naysayer on the Around the League podcast. That's true, too. He we mentioned little, the podcast, but you, you have used our own logic against us. I also believe. Thank my, you, TD. I also believe I have <laughs> yeah. host of the ATL podcast, which I could leverage <laughs> well, that to some type of lockout. By the way, Greg Rosenthal's lockout. Twitter bio, football, like a boss. I yes. like that. That's, 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 a, all that's the best Twitter bio out there. I don't want anyone to use anything against me in contract time. Football. Period. Where do you think? What do you think Stephen Burbank does? By the way, the rest of the year, he's just this arbitrator. Like I imagine him living on top of a mountain with, like in the clouds, and just every in Burbank, I every imagine. once or two, with one or two years, he comes and decrees these things. You don't think he's like a, a judge, some minor judge somewhere around? There? I think there's a condo somewhere <laughs> on the water where Stephen Burbank and NFL gumshoe Ted Wells just hang out and wait for the phone to ring or the bat signal to go out. And speaking of bat signal. TD sent out the bat signal for Matt Money Smith. We're getting a lot of heat on Twitter. People upset that our money tag intros have not been updated in a while. But first of all, everybody relax. It's the summer, so people aren't always around. 
So Matt Money Smith is doing his thing. He's a very busy man. He has his own radio sh- show in one of the biggest markets in the country. He's probably on vacation somewhere exotic, I would imagine. When he's as back, a Matt Money Smith would be in the NFL studios. He will record lots of money tags. We've got twenty-five or thirty of them ready to go. So, so keep sending them. Yeah. Good news and bad news. Okay. Good news. Got Matt Money Smith in the studio next week. Some new money tags next week. Bad news though. Just like the American Dad intro in season one where they had like little headlines. <laughs> That's over all of our heads. Well they, well, they used to have like a headline, you know, <laughs> yeah. a contextual topical headline for each episode. They stopped after season one because you kind of like run out of the good stuff. So I'm not saying that's going to happen. Oh, but how dare not, you. Yeah, yeah, but we have we, – Well, we have some good ones. Check out this list. Yeah, don't worry about We have shoved this responsibility onto our listeners so I, that I won't happen. That. Great, so great if stuff. you have an issue with the tags, you could put it on the listenership. But I know they, don't, they won't let us down. So – it's a little challenge. Yeah, a little bit of a challenge. I like that. You're challenging the audience. <laughs> Moving forward. Hey, Mark, you want to talk a little bit more about Rolando McClain? <laughs> uh, Here we go. Because right. it ain't over yet. Just when you think it's over, it ain't over. The Dallas Cowboys have acquired Rolando McClain from the Baltimore Raven, Ravens. Uh, according to the league's official transaction wire, the Ravens also included a seventh-round pick in the deal and received a sixth-round pick for the trouble. Uh, McClain, of course, uh, has been... In and out of retirement, uh, he was the former number eight overall pick by the Raiders in 2010. That didn't work out. With the Ravens, it didn't work out, despite uh, Ozzie Newsom really getting behind McLean. So now he's shipped to the Dallas Cowboys, who I guess could use linebacker help, but this guy's not going to help anybody, right? Well, it's bad news for the Bills if they are looking for linebacker help, inside or outside, that the level of talent out there right now... <laughs> Forces Dallas, who needed someone to go look at Rolando McLean. And I, I am all about first, second, and third chances. But this guy's on chance number five at this point, it feels like. And you know what? It comes back to Ozzie Newsom, smartest general manager in football, finding a way to get a draft pick out of a total train wreck scenario. I have a challenge for, <laughs> well, for three He of moved up from well, the seventh listen. to the sixth round. <laughs> all right. It did he, did he move up? Yes, he did. I Ozzie have a Newsom. challenge for the three of you and TD. In any other line of work, are you familiar with anyone who has retired twice before the age of 25? Mm. Maybe. <laughs> it's not a good sign. Gymnastics, actors, do they I do guess? that? Gymnastics, maybe. Tennis, maybe. Jennifer Capriati back in the day, remember? Well, all right, all right. I, I like where you're going here. I can buy Capriati. Jordan did it twice before 40, <laughs> but 25 is a tall order. This is Joffrey. not Michael Jordan. Jordan King. loved basketball. McLean is a little twisted on whether he likes football or well, not. Well, maybe – the Cowboys are a little more wily than we think. Putting mm. together, listen to this, Mark. I think you'll like it. Rolando McLean on the same team as Kyle Orton. The two of them together, <laughs> uh, that could work out. I don't know. Your two boys. negative makes a, makes a positive? <laughs> yeah. Chris Johnson doesn't seem to be putting too much stock in the offseason talk of a timeshare in the Jets' backfield. In a Tuesday conversation with around the league, Stan Hansis. Get your Dan Hanses. Get your Dan Hanses. <laughs> wow. I like that. Cue up your own music. Let's, so let's note, by the way, what, what is today? <laughs> July 2nd? The first time Dan mentions himself in the third person on the show. Dan cues up his own entrance <laughs> music. First of many times to come, I suspect. So Isaiah predicted this. Back to... <laughs> Just remember that you're just a writer for around the league. (laughs) Shut up, guys. Let me get back to what I was saying. In a Tuesday phone conversation with Around the League's Dan Hansis, Johnson spoke confidently about being the Jets' primary ball carrier. 
Here's what Johnson said. Once the season starts and once we're playing and I'm doing my thing, I'm pretty sure if I'm making plays and they're going to want to, they're going to, want to keep handing the ball off to me. If they want me to continue making plays, I'm pretty sure I can't do that on the sideline. He also added that uh, as for the timeshare and all that, it won't be an issue, I'm pretty sure. This comes a week after Jets running back coach Anthony Lynn said that the team needed to uh, limit what they did with Johnson to keep him fresh, uh, given that he has – uh, over 1,700 career carries. So the way I took it and the way I, I, when I spoke to him on the phone during the World Cup match, which he had no idea was going on, by the way, which I found <laughs> funny. He's like, what's the score? I was like, no score. He's like, all oh, right. Um, he, he thinks all this talk about the timeshare, once he gets the ball, he will be the same bell cow guy he's been. Opinions vary on whether that's actually going to happen, though. I, I guess if, you've, if you're a a Jets coaching staff and you've watched everything about Chris Johnson over the last couple years and you consider him to be a three down back at this point, I'd be concerned about as a Jets fan, Dan, I'd be concerned about your coaching staff. I went back and watched um, his college tape. There was a college highlight reel that I really liked when he was entering the league. Went back and watched that recently. And he was so much faster, so much more aggressive, so much more physical coming into the league than he's been the last couple of years. The Jets, as we've talked about in this podcast, if they do this right, because he does not have to be a 300-touch guy, if they do this right with Ivory and Johnson, with Powell mixed in a little bit, their running game should not be the thing that you're worried about with their offense. It's about the quarterback situation and whether they have enough weapons. This is a bit of the problem, though, of bringing in guys like Chris Johnson and Michael Vick, our expectations, and managing those expectations if they realize in week four that they're no longer getting the same uh, amount of work or, you know, playing time that they used to get. Yeah, they say, like, the hardest thing for a coach to do is manage the ego of a former great player who is on the other side of his prime, and the Jets have two of those guys in Vick and Johnson. So we'll see how it works out. I'm sure it'll work out great it always works out for the Jets. They got more than a few if guys. If I know on the anything other side about a Jet fan. How do you like talking to uh, Chris Johnson? You know, he seemed moderately engaged, <laughs> which, I, which is more than I could say for other people that I've had phone interviews with. Usually, I've talk, I talked to Chris Johnson in the NFL Network studio last year, and he was engaged there on the phone. Sometimes guys check out, but good job by Chris. Was he impressed with your interviewing skills? Oh, well, clearly. He mentioned that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I buttered him up. First thing I said is, CJ, 3K, right, buddy? Silence. <laughs> no, I didn't. I still can't that believe be funny, Dan referred to himself in the third person twice. He actually went back to that. Again. You shouldn't be surprised. This is all ha- – This is all. There, the warning signs have been out there for a while now. You ask uh, me if I have God complex? <laughs> Let me tell you something. I am God. Here's my spirit animal. I'll call them. All right, let's get into it. You ready? We talked about Chris Wessling's uh, tight end preseason rankings. And I said it, and I said it last show, two shows ago. I'll say it every show, every time we bring up Wes's rankings. If you're a football fan, you better be reading what Wessling's writing with these rankings because the dude's plugged in. Mark Sessler, yes or no? I would agree 100%. And if you're not a football fan, what are you doing listening to this podcast? Yeah, get well, out. We don't want to go <laughs> down be, that road. It just would be a weird <laughs> move. I would invite anyone who enjoys good conversation to listen to the podcast. (laughs) And never watch The View. (laughs) Uh, So Chris Wessling now has written the preseason rankings on quarterbacks. And, of course, as I said at the top of the show, ESPN suspiciously rolled out their own rankings uh, less than 24 hours later. So 
let's get into it a little bit. And I, I might, we might as well, I guess, start at the very top of the list because the, it differs right off the top here. And uh, Chris Wessling went with Mr. Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. Alone at the top was the subhead, which is a bold uh, statement. Uh, whereas the ESPN Mike Sando story had Tom Brady and Peyton Manning tied atop what they called the top tier of quarterbacks. And Rodgers and Breeze. And Rodgers and Breeze. And Rodgers and Breeze. Wait, and Rodgers and Breeze? So all four were at the same level? Yeah, they did it on a rating where he talked to a oh, bunch of people in the yeah. league. Basically, they assigned tiers and numbers. Out. And it they all been, tied. It would have been very out. easy for me to just have a top four. Right. But you didn't do that, Chris. Because Aaron Rodgers is better. Yeah, so He's tell been us the why. best player in the NFL since his Super Bowl run. He can make all the throws. He can escape the pocket. He can play Sandlot style if he needs to. He can read defenses if he needs to. He can do everything all the other guys are doing, plus he's more physically gifted and in his prime. You're not bothered at all about the fact that he missed time last year and now is a few years removed from playoff success. None of that stuff worries you at all? He missed time, which would bother me if I was constructing a roster. And it was between him and Andrew Luck, as we've discussed. But if we're talking about the 2014 season alone, which I believe we are, there's nobody you want rather than Aaron Rodgers. He's the best player in the NFL. The gap between him and the rest of the top quarterbacks in terms of athleticism is far bigger than any gap mentally between Manning and Brady and Breeze and Rodgers because Rodgers doesn't get credit for it, but he's he's that guy that you're looking for that knows the defenses, uh, that is – Winning the game with his head just as much as his well, legs. Well, they say they credit him number one for right. what he does before the snap, but he's a guy athletically that can make up. He's unlike some more loafing quarterbacks, he can make up for anything <laughs> he sees later on. Loafing. Can, can I play devil's advocate one more time here with Aaron Rodgers? Came back from the injury, the clavicle injury. If he plays better in that first round playoff game, they win. They should beat the Niners. He did not play very well in that if game. If Peyton Manning plays better in the Super Bowl, they should beat the, the Seahawks. Oh, come on. What That's do you mean? Totally Aaron, different. Stack Aaron Rodgers' playoff record up against any of these guys and is way better. Well, his numbers Aaron Rodgers is riding a bit of a losing streak in the playoffs. His numbers in the Not playoffs for him. his career are way, way better than Peyton Manning. But my point is, in that game specifically, a close game where Kaepernick made the plays to move on, Aaron Rodgers did not have a very sharp game. And my point, my answer to that is, in the Super Bowl, Peyton Manning did not have a sharp You can take any one game and blow it out of proportion. I think Rodgers has had spots where he hasn't been as consistent in terms of dealing with pressure in the pocket. There was a period early in the 2012 season uh, when the pressure wasn't working around him and he started seeing things. And Can you name one quarterback about whom that's not true? I think there are players. I think Manning and Brady, especially Brady, early in their career. Early in their career. I would invite you to watch Manning's feet in the Super Bowl. I think even even Rodgers' biggest backers, Packers fans, would admit that that he's gone up and down. Do you know when, like when you mentioned this with Brady too, that he did this last year? Do you know when established superstar quarterbacks start to crumble in the pocket? When you take away all their best receivers, Rodgers' best receivers have been taken away. His pass protection has been iffy. This isn't like a bad sign. It's just what happens to great quarterbacks he, when things fall apart. He's also a guy that him. when he won that Super Bowl, which, which began the run where you felt he's been the best since, he won it with a fourth of that roster on injured reserve. So, le- yeah. so let's now jump to – all right, so you have Rodgers at the top. Not surprisingly, the tier right below Rodgers is Brady, Manning, Breeze. No one's going to argue with you there. Um, on the list for the ESPN list, the fifth name in their top tier of quarterbacks – is Andrew Luck of the Colts. 
Uh, Wes, you are very high in luck as well, but you have him in the third category of your list, which is at Pro Bowl cal- caliber behind Ben Roethlisberger as well. So the ESPN analysts or uh, insiders are a little higher on luck right now than you are, it seems. No, not at all. I don't think they're higher on him. I have Luck and Roethlisberger basically tied for fifth. Uh, and I'm pointed out in the comments that Luck, it shouldn't surprise anybody if Luck is behind only Rodgers by, by this time next year. And I think Luck was the one I got the most comments on when I ranked that I had him too high. So it does my heart good to see that executives agree. <laughs> it's interesting uh, that Luck made the first tier from the NFL side of things in terms of the evaluators because for the most part on the ESPN list they knocked the young players they weren't ready to crown the young quarterbacks too soon but they're not only saying that luck is there now they would take him over Rivers and Roethlisberger it's an interesting question who would you rather have this season Ben Roethlisberger or Andrew Luck Mark give me a takeaway from this list that you're seeing well, and it's something that we talked about with Wesleyan when he put this out, is that the, di- the big difference between the list that ESPN went out and talked to a lot of executives that have been around the game and looking at quarterbacks a certain way for a long time and the new wave of quarterbacks, the Russell Wilsons, the RG3s, the Cam Newtons, the more mobile passers, I agree with Wesleyan. He has them higher up in general on his list and believes that that style of play can win football games. And we've seen that that's true with Russell Wilson. RG3's been to the playoffs, and so has Cam Newton. But the ESPN guys, the the people he talked to at least, Mike Sandoz, seemed very devoted to the more traditional pocket passer. I would say the one surprise I had on the ESPN list was Cam Newton. They have him 15th. I have him way higher. I have Kaepernick higher than they have him, and I have RG3 higher than they have him. And they have RG3 buried. They have RG3 basically tied with Andy Dalton. I mean, they have Manning, Eli Manning, in their top ten, tied with Romo and Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan, whereas, to me, it's not much of a choice between Colin Kaepernick and Eli Manning, Cam Newton or Eli Manning, the one young guy that the NFL executives believe in other than luck, was Russell Wilson, who was also tied there. But I don't know. How do, I, I can't see that. You really starting a team this year would take Eli Manning over those guys? Did anyone watch Eli Manning play last year? I, Eli Manning could lead the league in interceptions four years in a row, and you wouldn't get a different answer out of a lot of personnel guys. If his I, name still were be Eli Billingsley, would, and he pulled out, if Eli Billingsley had the last two seasons that Eli Manning just did, see, would people buy into him? I don't no. know if it's the name as much as the two rings, and I think especially personnel men where they're in that building and they obsess over winning a Super Bowl, when they point to a guy that has two Super Bowl MVPs, I think they, there's a certain amount of cred that, that that guy gets forever. I think that explains it. RG3, I just want to go back to him a second. Uh, this is some interesting quotes about him. Uh, this is from Sando's piece. The veteran QBs I consulted separately crushed Griffin in that area uh, about Griffin's personality. Uh, he does not take any blame, one of them said. Mm-hmm. A head coach placed Griffin in the fourth tier of quarterbacks on this list, which is the bottom tier for Sando, and said... I just don't think he could play in the pocket. So you have the knee issue, whether he'll ever be the same guy he was uh, in his rookie year, plus some issues about or questions about his makeup. So I guess that explains why he's further down than maybe we would have put him. I think it's fair to question whether he's ever going to be a great pocket passer. I think a lot of people have that question. 
But the questions about whether he takes blame or not, this coming from two veteran – it sounds like rumor and innuendo to me. And, it's, and we don't sounds know like which – Sounds like body language to me. Mm. Ooh, fair sell. We Carl, Carl Rumor and Chaz Innuendo. I don't like those guys. <laughs> I, this one threw me for a loop. One head coach said he'd rather have Sam Bradford than Russell Wilson purely from a talent standpoint. And if that isn't Jeff Fisher – I'm concerned because <laughs> it was Wayne Fonts. <laughs> Although Bradford was ranked 21st or something, and, and Russell Wilson was eighth. And that's worst fair, but it just it's it it goes back to you know Russell Wilson's going to have to continue to win people over. I think because he defies that build. He's five ten. They don't like that. They don't like a guy that rumbles around and, and circles around and does figure this eights. This coach sounds a little confused. We're not asking which quarterback you'd rather have from a physical talent standpoint. We're asking which quarterback you would rather have. This guy just wanted to say he likes Sam Bradford's arm. Robert Griffin III, by the way, is tied with Andy Dalton on this list. Imagine how different it would be a year ago. There's no way RG3 would be down that low. But I think it speaks to something you know, I've talked about with you guys. He's the quarterback of all these guys that... I think has the most range of possible career outcomes. You could tell me that he's going to be a multiple-time Pro Bowler and we'll be talking about him for the Hall of Fame someday, and that wouldn't surprise me. And he could have a thoroughly mediocre, ultimately middle-of-the-road disappointing career, and that wouldn't really shock me that much either. It would shock me if Cam Newton had that kind of career or if Colin Kaepernick did. I agree with you about that. And at the bottom of the list for ESPN, uh, disheartening to see this, Geno Smith at number 32, Behind uh, the <laughs> likes of Jake Locker, 31, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 30, Brian Hoyer, 29, Matt Castle. Wes, you have a similar take on Gino. I think you kind of give him maybe a little more of a chance than some of the people that uh, were speaking about him in the ESPN article. Yeah, I, I think he went through one of the roughest stretches I've ever seen by a quarterback last year. That doesn't bode well, but he also had the game-winning drive against the Falcons. I think he had another game-winning drive or two that, that do bode well. I have some questions about him. I don't think he's better than Michael Vick, but we shall see. Well, I don't think we've seen Geno play with any talent around him either. That's fair. And and that was something that would have hamstrung a lot of these young quarterbacks last year. Where would you put Geno, though, Dan? Uh, probably 28 around there. Who would you stage. bury behind him? I want the name. I want one. E- just give me one or two guys that you would. You okay, would. I could do that for you. One I would, I would. Let me help you out, Matt Schaub, <laughs> Brian Hoyer. Schaub. I put <laughs> Fitzpatrick behind him. Hoyer. Castle? I'd agree Ooh. with all that. Castle. Henny, maybe? I don't know. That's Jeez. fair. I mean, they're all in, in that, that range. They're in that ugly swamp to at the end where who, you roll your dice. The most surprising name on the list in terms of ranking from the ESPN side to me was Nick Foles, that he was solidly into their second tier ahead of guys like RG3. One evaluator said, based on what he saw, he put Nick Foles in the top tier, that he was a top five type of quarterback. Do we... You'd be a Wait, good quarterback, too, they, if God was your head coach. They seemed a little split on him. He right, was, they were. One yeah. guy One guy really liked him, but they put him number 15 right in the middle, definitely a little lower than you. You put Nick Foles in a category called borderline franchise, and this is who's in the category. Alex Smith, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, Palmer, Tannehill, and McCown. And I don't really have a big problem with that, but you have them solidly below guys like Stafford, Cutler, Flacco, Eli Manning. And I would say these two quotes from ESPN's GMs, one GM called Foles a four who played like a two. I think that's exactly what I was Referring going to for. Referring to the tears. Uh, Foles could be a Kerry Collins or Jake DeLome, a three who plays like a two or a four. 
I think that's about where he is. Let's see who he is after two or three years, not how he did throwing great screens in Chip Kelly's system. Wes, before we go, one last question for you. Of this list, who would be the biggest, um, who would be most likely to ascend the highest or fall the furthest? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Thanks a lot. I might have to be prepped for that. How about you making the money? I'll give you some help. James Cutler. No, no, definitely (laughs) not. Beat that out. No. Cutler rising. I would say RG3 could ascend the highest. And RG3 could fall the lowest. Ah, good answer. Backing up Greg's point. All right. I would also like to point out for the last point, a month after ESPN manufactured a debate about Tom Brady falling apart and declining, all the GMs that ESPN interviewed (laughs) said that's hogwash. Those questioning him have lost their evaluating skills. He's still (laughs) one of the best, if not the best. Another GM, the best football player quarterback in this league. Hmm. And what I tweeted out uh, about a week ago after I watched all of Brady's snaps, no one, not even Brady himself, can convince me he's slipping or no, no longer one of the NFL's best players. So Tom Brady, still awesome. I like what I'm hearing. <laughs> Greg hopping up and down. <laughs> the gifted life of a Patriots fan. All right, let's, uh, before we get out of here, let's do a little more Making the Leap talk. And uh, we initially had not... We were planned to skip around a little bit. We weren't going to talk about the Packers making the leap guys on the podcast, but then a, a Packers fan tweeted at us, and this is the importance of the social media age and communicating and staying in touch with the listeners, said, we want Packers talk. So that's what we're going to do. Chris Wessling uh, broke down Green Bay Packers defensive ends, Dayton Jones and Mike Daniels as two players he believe will uh, help fortify that defense and make them uh, take the leap. Uh, in 2014, and now Chris Wessling, the scientist, the mailman, will tell us why. With the impetus for this pairing, nice uh, word. Thank you. Happened at the NFL Scouting Combine when we were sitting there. Mark and Greg and I were sitting in the chairs while McCarthy was talking, and he mentioned Dayton Jones as a guy who's hyper athletic, will make the leap this year. He, I think, he used the words "making the jump." So that mm. really perked up our ears. At Which the doesn't time. sound as good. For the yeah, record. I agree. Making the that leap sounds like superior. something you would do over a chasm. Yeah, make the jump. <laughs> Come on, McCarthy. <laughs> Get it together, bro. So, uh, dude, does, he definitely doesn't deserve a street being named after. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Just one second. This talk of naming a street in Green Bay after Mike McCarthy, everybody calm down. One ring, not a lot of success in the playoffs otherwise. <laughs> I understand Vince Lombardi, sure. Mike Holmgren, eh. He Mike has McCarthy. One, there is a Mike Holmgren I know. Street. That one I'm not crazy about, but okay. They almost uh, come on. They almost paved over that street when uh, when they saw what happened in Cleveland. <laughs> I can't right. wait till the day when Dan encounters Mike McCarthy and Chip Kelly. <laughs> yeah, two on one in a dark alley and somewhere in Northern Iowa, it is over. <laughs> What's Dan doing in Northern yeah, Iowa? That's the biggest question. That's the thing I'd be most worried about. <laughs> okay, well, sorry. They also oh. doing uh, Dom Capers Children's Playground <laughs> right right near the stadium. <laughs> two to five year olds. Huh? Sounds horrible. <laughs> Wes. <laughs> so. Dayton Jones was on our radar, and Mike Daniels is a guy who kind of jumped off the film last year when you watch the Packers. And really, I, I expected for Dayton Jones to be more impressive because he has a higher pedigree. He was the first-round pick. McCarthy talked him up so much. But when you watch the film, Jones was playing with a high ankle sprain for most of the year. His, his athleticism wasn't really there. 
So we're going most, mostly on what the coaches tell us here. But Mike Daniels is absolutely a monster. He's relentless. He's chasing down quarterbacks from behind, chasing down running backs from behind, stuffing running backs at the line of scrimmage. He, he drew some comparisons to uh, – or let's, let me put it another way. Rams first-round pick Aaron Donald drew some comparisons to Mike Daniels, which tells you a lot about how, much, how good Mike Daniels was. He's better than a fourth-round pick, which is what he was coming out of Iowa, in part because he was undersized and in part because he had a torn labrum in college. Their, that Packers defense is kind of like the RG3 of defenses in terms of there's a huge range of what I could see. They could be really good on paper. They look like they could be great, and yet every year I kind of think they're going to be better, and Dom Capers, at least for the last few years, hasn't been able to pull it all together. I, I, it's a good comparison. I said I would be shocked if RG3 doesn't win Comeback Player of the Year award, and I would be shocked if the Packers' defense isn't the most improved unit in the NFL. Does it help Jones to have all this other talent back around him to help him maybe be used in a way that just let's get him to do what he does well? I think so, and I think it can't help or it can't hurt to have Julius Peppers, who's been one of the best defensive ends of the past decade there for pointers. And I think you'll see a lot of nickel packages where they use Daniels and Jones as the two linemen that rush the passer. So I think the opportunities will be there. When we're putting them making the leap, though, there's got to be some potential for stardom. Do you think Daniels has that sort of thing? This problem with this defense is it feels like there's a lot of Bs, B-pluses, but not enough star types. I think I could easily see double-digit sacks out of Mike Daniels. He, he led the Packers in hurries last year, finished in the top five or six of pro football focuses rankings for defensive ends, and that was while only playing half the snaps. If you can get him up to 70% of the snaps, I think he'll really shine. And one final thought on Dom Capers, who was referenced uh, in regard to his playground earlier, which may be fictional or not. I'm not sure if you were joking. But That's real. Is it real? Children's Playground, ages two to five. Yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm actually going on a trip with my family just to visit it. <laughs> if he, if the Packers' defense uh, lets everyone down again, I think the Teflon Dom will finally uh, lose his job in Green Bay. He's been there a long time. <laughs> a lot of bad uh, defenses. We'll we'll see if he uh, can get it together this time. All right, moving forward. That's what his hairpiece is made out of, Teflon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. the, that's a thought of Greg <laughs> Rosenthal. Greg Rosenthal alone. TD's shaking his head, and how did I get involved with this? project uh let's move on to number eight on the list number eight we're in the elite eight mark we'll call it i made that up number eight jaguars <laughs> running back toby gerhardt uh who of course signed with the jags uh after serving as the understudy to adrian peterson in minnesota for a few seasons the jags are asking gerhardt to become the type of lead back that can rush for you know 1200 yards or more and be a guy that they can build the offense around on some level Mark Sessler is in on the Jaguars franchise as a whole. Mark Sessler's all in on the Jags. 13 to 16 wins, I think, is where no, Mark is, is at not, right now. I have not voiced that. So, of course, he's in on Toby Gerhardt making the leap. Mark. Actually, I, wanted, I went in with a suspicious eye because I feel when we talk about this making the leap series, Gerhardt from the minute he signed with Jacksonville, or really when we, when we talked about him as a free agent, an obvious making the leap type candidate because – he does have the resume in college. He was an absolute workhorse for Stanford. Their college coach said that they changed the way that they ran their entire offense because of what he gave them during his junior and senior year. But then he goes to Minnesota. He essentially goes AWOL and vanishes off the planet behind Adrian Peterson. But in the eight times that he played to fill in for Peterson, he averaged 99.4 yards in 19 touches. Ooh. That I wanted to go, and there aren't a lot of snaps. Hubba, hubba. There were a couple seasons where he only had, you know, 
20, 30 carries. So there just wasn't a lot of film to watch compared to some of these other guys. But he was impressive because a lot faster for a big guy who's kind of built like an old school fullback slash running back type. He has wheels. The guy can move, and he's good at breaking tackles. He had a 4.7 yards per carry coming out of the Vikings. I think the challenge for him will be he is not playing behind that Vikings offensive line, which has been pretty good over the years and done a good job for Peterson. And I think teams know that if the Jaguars are going to run a Seahawks-style offense where he's going to be that Marshawn Lynch-type ball carrier, they're going to line up, and they're going to go after him. When we, uh, when we were preparing for free agency, I was tasked with coming up with a free agency sleepers list, and one of the reasons Toby Gerhardt was on it is because outside of questionable lateral, lateral agility, he doesn't really have a weakness as a runner. Like you said, he's fast for a big guy. He breaks tackles. He pass protects. He catches the ball well. He's fundamentally solid, and he has actual second-round pedigree talent. Yeah, it's like when I had to do the obstacles, I from the tape I saw, there wasn't this hmm. there wasn't a part of his game. Some running backs can't pass protect. They can't they can't catch. They're not this or that. With him it was more like the Jaguars are my concern. They didn't get Alex Mack. That would have been a huge thing for them had they done that. Can they can they open the holes for him? My concern is he's not that special of a player, that he's okay. That maybe he's good at doing a little bit of everything. He reminds me a little bit of another backup that got a full-time job and did pretty well, the guy who was in Minnesota before Adrian Peterson, Chester Taylor. Different players, but the same... I think he's way more talented than Chester Taylor. See, I I don't know. I I don't even think it's close. I think he's way more talented. See, Caldwell, who was under Dimitrov and part of the Falcons organization when they hauled in Michael Turner, he dismissed all these ideas that everyone wants to say, Gearhart is Peyton Hillis, or he's... So and so, and maybe because he's white, let's compare him to other white running backs. Yeah, TD, do you have anything to say about that? Well, no, but that ha- that obviously happens. Come on. And Caldwell said th- he sees Michael Turner. Now that may be a leap too. I don't know, but I, that's a no, fair that, comparison. That makes sense. I think Turner has a little more power and a little more burst, but Gerhardt to me is more like Michael Turner as a runner than Chester Taylor. Over under time before we get out of here. Two hundred fifty carries, Toby Gerhardt. Way over. Yeah, I'm going over with that. Easily over. 1,250 yards. I'm going over. That's a perfect number. I'll go under. I will go over. 50 receptions. Ooh. That's a lot of catches. I'll go under, but I think it'd probably be in the 40s. I'll go under. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be close, but I, that, that's a tough team to tell passing-wise. Under. Finally, seven touchdowns combined. Under. Really? I'm going to go over for once. I don't expect that offense to be scoring in waves. Can I say push and say seven? <laughs> it's a very sure. Sizzler I mean, listen, answer. Very Sizzler. Uh, TD, what your thoughts? Final take? Yeah. Final <laughs> over and under until we get hard. Big enough season and uh, Madden cover like Peyton Hillis. Hmm, interesting. That would be crazy if a Jacksonville Jaguars running back was the cover of Madden, but I guess it Peyton Hills happening. was... Isn't that still done Pigs by voting? And I don't, I, I'm not sure that's going to work. Madden cover's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for I today's... Just, I just wanted to compare another white one. Back. <laughs> <laughs> Your agenda is noted, TD. Let's see what's going on here. Yeah. You're flouting this. <laughs> All right, so that's it for Wednesday's edition of the Around the League podcast. We will be back next week with another new show. Uh, Greg Rosenthal... Is going to disappear on us for a while, but he 
on vacation, but he might be involved with the podcast because that's how much he loves it and how much he cares about the listeners. Right, Greg? I think I'll be here for at least one of the shows next week, yes. Mark's smirking, almost excited to know <laughs> Greg won't be in the office. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm smiling because that's the same formula I used. Drop in for one show and then vanish. Mark just wants to go to more meetings. <laughs> yeah. It's on you, Mark. Please it's time stay. to step up. <laughs> Please stay. This is your chance. All right. So, yes, until next week, this is Dan Hansa signing off for the Sizzler, the boss, the mailman, of course, TD, forever and always. Not behind the glass. Till Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.